much more beloved than the Immortal Iron Fist, it's Cape Crisis! Surprise, everybody! It's me, your host, Henry Gilbert, back again for a special Cape Crisis. Let's call this the Cape Crisis Annual, though I would like to be doing more of these regularly. But hello! It's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, it's just me here today recording this at home, but I wanted to share so many things with you people, all you old uh, Cape Crisis listeners. I have a ton of information I want to share, and I want to start off, though, by saying that uh, the reason I've been too busy with Cape Crisis, even though I have quit my job, the job that I quit Cape Crisis over, is because I had to start up a whole new Patreon. What's that? That's right. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons has been what has been keeping me busy. I've been working on that closely with Bob Mackey, my co-host on Talking Simpsons, along with Chris Antista and all of our buddies, doing a ton of content on there. But I did tell people when we started it that I'd want to try to do more regular Cape Crises and get back in the habit of it. And this is kind of it now, or it's the start of it again. Uh, that's what I'd like this to be. And the occasion for it, of course, is the launch of Defenders, the release of Defenders on Netflix. I watched all of it. I have a lot of opinions. I have a lot of spoilery thoughts. But I want to share those at the end. I want to save those for afterwards. And before that, I want to give everybody just a rundown of what I've been thinking about the world of comic books before this time. But again, want to throw out another plug for that Patreon. If you want to directly pay me money to keep doing podcasts, including to get back on the saddle with Cape Crisis, patreon.com slash talking simpsons is the place to go and also you get a ton of extras anyway if you're a simpsons fan or just an animation fan me and bob are doing a ton of awesome stuff there and i actually have some really cool comic book simpsons related projects planned out so you're really going to want to check that out in the future patreon.com slash talking simpsons okay but anyway in the meantime what have i been reading well I gotta tell you, it's been a little hard keeping up with the current stuff while doing a ton of Simpsons research and doing a couple Simpsons podcasts every week, but I have been reading some stuff. Let's start with Marvel because I am a Marvel zombie, and uh, I've been reading Amazing Spider-Man and Peter Parker Spider-Man regularly. I'm still into Dan Slott's run. I really do like his take on Spider-Man. I think he gets Peter Parker really well, but I don't really know where it's going, and it's it's almost feeling like he kind of peaked with Superior Spider-Man and is still still just sticking around and figuring out what he wants to do. Which is cool and all, but like, and he's been finding some interesting things to do, including, you know, adding the Superior Doc Ock and making him work as best he can within the world of Secret Empire, which I'll get to that in a sec. But it still feels like he's spinning his wheels a little bit, you know? I, I'm curious to see what the post-Secret Empire changes for Spider-Man are going to affect what Slot does on the Spider-Man books. Meanwhile, Zdarsky's Peter Parker Spider-Man is really awesome, or at least the first two issues are. Chip Zdarsky is one of my favorite writers who works at Marvel right now. He is so funny, such a creative guy, and he really gets Spider-Man's voice really well. You can tell he is a big Spider-Man fan who finally has ended up writing the book, and it's it's really great. I think it's it's an interesting pairing him with Adam Kubert, because Adam Kubert is such a... I see him as a superstar artist, not a guy who does the comedy book with Zdarsky, so I think it, it raises the level of prestige to Zdarsky doing a Spider-Man book. I'm still really liking it. Also, speaking of Spider-Man stuff, though, I didn't like the first issue of Spider-Man 2 by Brian Michael Bendis. It's just as the usual Bendis... It starts off like every Bendis' first chapter of just like, oh, let's flash forward and then flash back. 
and then we're going to explain how we got here in a very slow version of the story and it's just and also it's really weird how they have to fit in the secret wars twist of miles morales of the ultimate universe now living in the world of regular spider-man but then also explaining that there is our universe's miles morales as well and then also it just starts with an opening shot of both Spider-Men being unmasked, like tied up and unmasked, I'm just like, God damn it, Bendis. You do this every time. You can't keep Spider-Man's mask on. It makes me so fucking mad. I hate it. The final collection of Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat, came out, and the entire series was great. I'm very sad to see it go. Kate Leth and Brittany Williams do a great job together as writer and artist. I'm really going to miss it. It was just a really fun, cool book that you could totally feel had Kate Leth's energy to fit with Brittany Williams' style. Not to mention, though, it made me sad because if I'm a fan of Kate Leth and follow her on Twitter, and she makes it real clear, like, she seems pretty much done with Marvel, and, you know, she she had her fun and has, has moved on, and it, it just makes me sad that Whatever Marvel is now is not really where she fits in, and it, it, uh, it it's a real bummer, especially when you know that she she had a lot of opinions on Marvel's uh, talk about diversity, which, woof, boy, that was something else, huh? Uh, I'm still enjoying Squirrel Girl, though. Ryan North and Erica Henderson are still going great on that. Oh, and also, talking about the Zdarsky stuff, I got to meet Chip Zdarsky at a signing in my local comic shop, Fantastic Comics in Berkeley. He came by and it was really cool. They did like a Q&A that was hosted by that was hosted by the place and hosted by one of the, um, the women who, who runs the store. I, I forget her name. I'm sorry. Uh, but Chip was really was really funny and affable and answered everybody's question, even mine, where I asked, like, what's it like to write your own characters versus writing a famous character and uh, his quick version of the story was that well he can make up his own old lady character in sex criminals and you know have a run over by a truck but nobody would really care but if he does that with aunt may then everybody cares so you know uh, um, but then on the other end he wanted to do uh he is pitching this fun book that would involve hercules as like the team drunk and then he had to be told like well no hercules isn't doing that right now he's actually kind of gotten sober and and chip realized like that's one of the problems you have to share all these characters with everybody else so it's uh, it's a tit for tat thing uh, but i'll tell you one thing i am having some real marvel fatigue i have to tell you like it's I'm kind of tired of it in general, and it really stems from just the unending, the unending events. Like, they just never stop. Uh, like, Civil War II was not good. In fact, it was it was, was really boring and, and pointless and endless, and, and like, it, it just felt like such a cash grab. Just even Secret Wars, when it ended the 616 and the Ultimate Universe, and just put them both together and fixed all stuff, I was like cool all right awesome that's that you can take some time off now and then they almost immediately go into civil war two and it disrupts all these comics i'm enjoying including hellcat and just mess all of it up and then just when i think i'm done with that then secret empire comes in i'm just like oh come on i'll give secret empire a plus over civil war two and that shit happens in secret empire as opposed to the nothing that happens in a Bendis written story. But oppositely, like, I get no feel in Secret Empire for, like, any artist, really. And nothing really else seems to matter, too, because 
Marvel basically said, thanks to all the negative press they were getting for uh, accidentally writing about a fascist cap right when a fascist takes over America in the form of our current president. That's right, I'm getting political, buddy. Uh, It was bad timing, so Marvel just had to basically put out a press release saying, Captain America will win, okay? And it's just like, well then, but uh, even if they hadn't said that, I had a feeling the good guys were going to win in the end. And then there'll be some status quo changes, but maybe Cap will be back and everybody will like Steve again. And it's just like, how? He took over the world. Like, he conquered America. They t- they won. It wasn't even... And they just kind of do a time skip of like, oh, no, no, the, the Hydra just owns America now. They're, they're in charge of everything. The president was killed or whatever. Who cares? It's, it's just they took over America. How do you write a Marvel Universe where every normal human went through that? And honestly, if, if Nick Spencer hits a fucking cosmic reset button on that with the, with the cube or cubic, it's just like, fuck you. That's, that, is, that is the cheapest of changes you can make in a Marvel story. Like, once you see a cosmic cube, you're like, well, okay, the writers got their exit strategy already planned out. They can just hit that cosmic cube. And I really hope they're more creative than that, but... I'm just not feeling it. Every time I read, like, well, this guy died in it, I'm like, yeah, they're dead for how long? And it also just feels like, oh, this is the be-all, end-all. In eight months, you'll have another super crossover. And and then this one won't matter because you'll have the new super crossover that'll last a year and disrupt every comic. They're saying they're going to do less. If it was up to me, if I was in charge of Marvel, I would copy what DC did with Rebirth and just be like, take take years off of doing any events. Just rebuild your universe refocus on the stories and don't do any mega events anymore none of the civil war stuff like they have really run off a lot of their fans it's it's a real sad situation with marvel and that they just have burnt everybody out they had good stories but they never get to stick with them like for example there were three books i was waiting for the trade on i was like well i don't need to buy the the single issues to support this book if i buy the trade then they'll see the high sales on the trade and they won't need to cancel anything and uh, they'll or at least like i'll be helping it not get canceled but in the cases of Nova, the reboot of Nova where Richard Ryder teamed up with the kid version of Nova, Unstoppable Wasp, and Star-Lord. Oh, and oh, and not even just those, actually. Also, uh, Mockingbird. In all four of those cases where I waited for the trade, they canceled the goddamn book before the trade was even out. I was just like, how can I, how can I do anything to help these books if they're just going to be... I mean, my one purchase wasn't going to save any of these books anyway, but it's just so frustrating to know like to, that a book doesn't even have a chance by issue two. It's just like, well, issue two, okay, it's over. It, maybe it's just that Marvel's fault that they won't call a miniseries a miniseries anymore and they just have to act like it's an ongoing every time. And then they cancel it at five to eight issues. But it's something too like an old comic at Marvel is one that gets to be 20 plus issues long. Like that's like, whoa, this comic's going on forever. They're going back to the old numbering for a lot of books. And I'm hoping that is proof they're going to stick with stuff before a bunch more relaunches. But like it's getting to be less than in a year. And it's it's just ugh, it's very disappointing. And as a Marvel fan who just wants to read good continuing stories, you instead got like this issue one steps up a new status quo, 
And then by issue six, they're like, oh, we got to wrap this up. Star-Lord's got to appear in another book. Or we got to finish whatever this... We got to give some feeling of completeness to the story. It's just such a real bummer, you know? And and when you especially you get the messages of, oh, well, just buy the books. You support it. Like, well, I tried to do that. But you canceled it before I bought it. Follow this person on Twitter. His real name's Colin. Space Twinks is the handle. But he tweets a ton about Marvel and mainly to the direct market's problem with selling stuff these days and how I'm not really sure where it's going to go, you know? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's upsetting. And yeah, and I mean, for the future with Marvel, if, if a writer uh, or artist or co- a creator team comes over there that really excites me, then I probably still will read it. And I still haven't dropped my Spider-Man books yet because I'm that big of a dumb fanboy but i'm really i'm really just feeling tired of marvel and they got they have to do a lot to really win me back to start buying their comics again in a regular fashion and reading them especially like i got limited time you know got limited time uh and speaking of that like i've barely touched any dc stuff i'm sorry to say the dc comics i even though i think they have been handling things a lot better than marvel marvel could learn a lot from dc I will say I really liked the All-Star Batman book that Scott Snyder has been doing. It was really... I bought the first collection and really enjoyed it. Also, uh, the first bits of Rook's new run on Wonder Woman has been really great. I, I have been meaning to catch up with DC Bombshells, well as the new Batwoman series, which I've heard is really good. Outside of the big two, I've actually been really enjoying Jughead and, jo- and Josie and the Pussycats still at Archie. Those are both really great books. Jughead won an Eisner. Can you believe that? Jughead. Uh, Eisner Award winning Jughead. And that's all thanks to... Chip Zdarsky, Ryan North, Erica uh, Henderson, and Derek Charm. They all did great work. And then over an Image, I've just been keeping up with their usual thing. Southern Bastards, Saga, uh, Bitch Planet, and also and, and Sex Criminals. And also the uh, really cool new Brubaker book, Killer Be Killed. I'm still really enjoying that. Uh, outside of comics, what's going on in TV and film? Well, if you wanted to know my thoughts on Spider-Man, Homecoming, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, or Wonder Woman, I actually already talked all about those on Laser Time. We did review spoiler cast on those in multiple episodes of Laser Time. I, I'm proud of all of those, but uh, especially my favorite is a Spider-Man Homecoming one because I basically take an entire hour to explain the entire history of how Spider-Man even got into films and got to be on films. The the complicated, almost 30-year history that it took Spider-Man to get a movie made. It's It took a ton of research. I'm really proud of it, and you should definitely listen to it. It's in the Spider-Man Homecoming episode of Laser Time, if you haven't yet. Uh, as for the upcoming stuff, I really love the trailer for Thor Ragnarok, the, the Comic-Con one. I like how loose and fun it is. I like what they're doing with Hulk. It's just an extra fun... It's an extra fun adventure that after the kind of dourness of Civil War, which worked great, you, you need more fun in space. Though it's also... But I'm like, oh, we're going to have fun, multicolored, rainbow fun in space. But also we're fighting the uh, Queen of Hell. I did, I couldn't resist. I watched the leaked Infinity Gauntlet trailer and it honestly was like, it feels like the last time what my childhood dreams of a comic book film adaptation would be. Like, I know it's just a bunch of money and, and giant corporations and blah, 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 blah. But, but my God, seeing... Seeing Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and the all the rest of the Avengers team up to all fight Thanos at once. It's just, it was, it was incredible. It was 
buy Infinity Gauntlet books as a kid brought to life. It was it was incredible. The opposite of incredible is how I would describe uh, the Inhumans trailer, which ooh boy, ooh boy. I tell you, if Marvel's making something, Marvel's really not getting my hopes up for for that thing. Even though you know, Lockjaw look cool, but boy, everybody else in there like toned down costumes just like look have him in a stupid costume okay who cares i'm really hoping that the runaway series and the new warrior series is a lot better than that looks uh on the dc side of things the recent trailers for justice league are looking all right though honestly it's gonna be it's in a really weird spot where you know the very sad news the uh that happened in Zack snyder's family took him off the project and so Joss Whedon was coming in to fix it, and at first that was, like, a good thing, but now I just feel all this, like, baggage over Joss Whedon, and, look, just Google Joss Whedon, I don't want to go into his personal life, but it's just, like, uh, what a bummer. There's just a ton of baggage attached to it, and then on top of that, there was the recent, very recent news of, like, three other Batman films that are really confusing what I even think is happening with Justice League. It's like, they're making a Joker origin story movie, but not with Jared Leto in it. And instead, and it's going to be directed by Todd Phillips, of all people, which is just goofy. Uh, but then Jared Leto and Margot Robbie are going to be in a Harley and Joker film that's going to film after Suicide Squad 2. Okay. But also, like, I don't... I don't want to see Harley and Joker continue to be together. They, I I think I made this pretty clear in the Suicide Squad talk uh, last time on the podcast but harley's origin needs to be tied to the joker that is for sure but continuing adventures of harley and joker in their abusive relationship like i don't want to see it for that long really like harley is better as a woman free of the joker but the joker in her past but she's moved on from it you know and then on top of that, then there's been more news about Matt Reeves' The Batman film, which I I can't wait for more Matt Reeves because his last Planet of the Apes film was incredible. The entire Apes trilogy of the last five years just so damn good. So much better than we deserve at this point in time. But now the most recent rumor is that Ben Affleck is out as the Batman. And it's just like, what the fuck is this? Like... Are you going to do it or not, Ben? Like, are they just waiting for to make it official till after they do the Justice League movie? Like, they put a lot into Ben Affleck being Batman, you know? And it's just... I know it's probably torture for him, and he's he's a big movie star who can make whatever he wants. He doesn't need to be Batman. But And I thought he seemed interested to do it, though, with Jeff Johns, but I don't know. Maybe that passing fancy's over. It's it's just... It's just weird, you know? I... I <laughs> Either shit or get off the pot with Batman at this point. And uh, speaking of Batman, I didn't watch the entirety of the Batman and Harley Quinn film. I saw some clips, though, and oh, man, it's... Oof, boy. Uh, It's just so weird. I mean, I don't know. I I don't want to make too big a judgment on it because I haven't seen the entire movie. But, like, I love Bruce Timm. His version of Batman, along with Paul Dini, was what made me truly love batman beyond the adam west that i knew you know but the clips i saw harley and ivy it's just like one is full of like dumb humor that just felt like oh we couldn't do this on the show because it was too dirty it's just bruce tim working through his like horniness for harley quinn and if you haven't seen the shot of 
Harley Quinn bending over and having like two butt cracks because they're just so and it's cool to draw a sexy Harley Quinn go right ahead but it's just like if you're gonna draw her sexy at least you know don't draw two butts on her that's all give her one butt because it's really more actually extra distracting from it and then on top of that then right after you see her double butt then she very aggressively gets down with Nightwing who he does say yes but it's still pretty it's pretty icky and it and and it's mostly icky just because it's like okay bruce tim i get it you want to fuck harley quinn and you wrote fanfic for it and then dc animated it cool you can do that i don't have to like it okay (sighs) and and also just the it's just very disorienting when it's kevin conroy and the original voice of nightwing slash robin from batman the animated series but then everybody else is recast and especially the voice doing Harley Quinn, she's just doing a lame Arlene Sorkin impersonation. I really don't like it. I like it even less when she is farting. Ugh. Alright, so those are all my thoughts on current comic book world and everything that's been going on. I'm going to be reading more books lately, and, and again, too, I've been reading a ton of old stuff, like old Simpson comics for a certain project I'm working on, but also reading through some old uh, Marvel books. In fact, I was just reading through the collection of Spider-Man comics by Todd DeZago and Mike Wieringo, which is just... It's a gorgeous book. I forgot how great the art with Mike Mike Waringo. Uh, you you are missed. You are missed. But in the meantime, I also wanted to mention that I'm going to be at New York Comic Con again this year. So if you want to go looking for me there, I will be there on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in October. I'm going to be trying my best to get some cool interviews with folks there. So keep an eye out for me there. All right. Now I'm done with all that. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. It is time for the Defenders. Spoiler talk about the Marvel Netflix series. Mostly, I give a thumbs up to the series, the eight-episode Defenders super crossover between the four lead heroes of those shows. Mostly a thumbs up. I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna retell the entire plot of it because honestly, it's kind of too complicated to go over here. I'll just, uh, let's go with the pros and the cons here. So pros, I thought the interactions with all the characters was a lot of fun. That is the whole point of a crossover of a Marvel team-up, if you will, to see all the characters together in one place when you get to see all four of them chatting together or uh you know sharing quips during a big fight scene it's a ton of fun and it really pays off the world they built in the marvel netflix verse like i especially uh, not just their conversation at the chinese dinner place and also seeing like jessica's big arrival when she saves the day there and then they all fight some more it's it's the little moments in between them too and in just the especially iron fist finally works when luke cage is there to call him an idiot and just roll his eyes at him like yeah yeah the immortal iron fist okay sure you're just a rich white kid like fuck you i don't care what you think you weren't i i just love those scenes like those were great and it gave iron fist somebody to like be grounded in you know and and iron fist was just so lame in his own series which i didn't finish I just watched like the first two episodes and then I thought, forget this. I'm going to watch the last one. I'm just skipping ahead. 
it was the first Marvel Netflix show I didn't finish, and it was because it was just ill disappointing. You know, it was just uh, it, it just felt so lifeless. But Iron Fist came alive when he's around the other characters, especially Luke Cage. So at the very least, they got the heroes for higher angle correct with them. Also, I will say underrated is the relationship between Jessica and Matt. Though the scenes between the two of them is really they're really really great. They have an interesting relationship of. You know, a lawyer who breaks the laws versus a private investigator who also doesn't particularly respect all the laws either. And just their kind of self-hating vibes bouncing off each other is really a lot of fun. And I also loved all the interactions between the secondary characters too. Obviously, Colleen Wing and Misty Knight together was great. I hope to see a whole lot more of that whenever they appear back together. But also seeing, you know, Trish and Karen hang out, as well as Foggy and most of the other characters, and kind of having at the center spoke Claire... And also, I was really glad Night Nurse got to survive. I was sure they were going to just follow the exact same template and kill off her like they killed off Agent Coulson in The Avengers, since The Defenders is The Avengers of the Netflix averse. Some people complained about it, because how out of place they felt, but honestly, I liked how out of place Jessica and Luke felt during all the ninja stuff. I love that there were about a dozen scenes of them going, look, this ninja stuff's dumb. I don't know what you're talking about. This is stupid and mystical. I solve murders. I live in the real world. I, yes, I do have superpowers, but I don't fight undead ninjas. They they kind of ground the goofy mysticism of it all, which is intrinsic to the hand. And, and it's honestly, they, they made it less silly than it is in the comics, but it's just something you kind of accept. And uh, But in, in the show, you know, you had Daredevil and Iron Fist all in on the hand. They know everything about them. But then oppositely, Jessica and Luke are just like, I, I don't even know, man. It's, it's, it's funny. It's funny. And uh, the big hallway fight scene of the four of them at, was a great follow-up on the history of hallway fight scenes that have defined the netflix averse. And this one was really great, too. And I think it was actually my favorite fight scene in the whole show because it was the best lit. And I could see most what was happening in it, which is what really mattered. And also seeing all the actors, you know, have to do all that together looked really cool. Speaking of uh, really cool, Sigourney Weaver was great as the big heavy in the show. But of course she was. Like, duh, Sigourney Weaver's always awesome. And I gotta say that she reminded me of Mahershala Ali in that here is a fantastic actor who is stealing the scenes as the heavy and then they kill them off early to have somebody else be the final villain of the thing. And having said that and saying I miss Sigourney Weaver and wish she had been in the last two episodes, but I guess they could only get a commitment from her for six episodes. Electra as the main, as the final villain kind of worked and I'm glad they worked through her resurrection story in Defenders so we don't have to really go through a ton of it in hopefully in the next season of Daredevil and I'll and I really like the actress who plays Electra especially because she is great at doing the action scenes too and her as well was really funny just owning Iron Fist and then Iron Fist was such a fucking idiot and then so that brings me to the cons Iron Fist sucks I'm sorry to say this like I I some people say oh this SJW doesn't like the the blonde dude who became a kung fu master it's really not about that for me like I 
I have read so many Iron Fist comics. I love the character of Danny Rand. I've read more of his, of Iron Fist comics than most humans alive. So I say this with all sincerity, like, I wanted to love Iron Fist. This guy sucks. Iron Fist in the Netflixverse is not a fun guy. He's actually pretty boring and just bleh. And, and that he, that we don't even get to see, like, Kun, Kun, Kun Lun is not all that mystical. It's really just like a boring graveyard. We don't get to hear all that much about it. And we don't even get to see the cool dragony beats. And it's just like, it's it's like they're ashamed of who Iron Fist is and his origin. Which, if that's the problem, then why'd you just, why'd you even fucking put him in there? Do somebody else then of a street level villain. You didn't have to pick Iron Fist if you're not that committed to it. But it's also like, Finn Jones sucks, man. He just sucks. Like, when I see Finn Jones next to Kristen Ritter, Michael Coulter, and Charlie Cox... I'm just like, you are so bad. These these other three actors as the leads were cast so well, as was John Bernthal on Punisher, who's about to be the next Netflix lead. And you just see Finn Chesley, like, dude, you are not ready for this. You are not likable. You're not interesting. I'm sure you're fine on Game of Thrones. Like, but come on, dude, you suck. Like, like get with it. Like, if, if they're going to make us see a Net, an Iron Fist season two, they really gotta fix shit up, but but, but honestly, uh, but also the, the Iron Fist stuff and his solo scene sucking, and it also like going straight from Iron Fist into this. So you just start off with this bad taste of like, ugh, Iron Fist. I remember this. It's also like I'm tired of the hand. Like I like the hand, but the the more hand I've gotten in Netflix, the less I enjoy them. Like the I liked the l- couple episodes of hand stuff in daredevil season one but they were good as an accessory to kingpin kingpin was much more interesting though than ninjas then in daredevil season two you have punisher who is much more interesting than a bunch of ninjas seeing daredevil fight the same eight thousand unkillable ninjas over and over again got kind of old and was not as cool as him having principled arguments with the punisher really didn't like it and then in this then in iron fist you just get all this setup of the hand and it was the most one of like we got a setup defenders like do you does it have to be all this shit with a fucking hand and then they have to connect the hand to come on which is just like i okay fine yes they're all you have set up that they're connected to iron fist even more but it's like dude i don't care like i don't I don't care if you're connected to Kunlun. You don't need to be connected to Kunlun. You never were before in the comics. And it's I guess they were feeling like, well, two two mystical sets of martial artists in this universe that aren't connected, that seems too ridiculous. When it's just like if you care about being ridiculous, don't pick the ninjas who resurrect people. You know? Just don't don't do that then. I was actually okay with the killing off of Stick. I think he had kind of done done everything he needed to do. And and really his, you know, I figured he was going to die in Daredevil Season 2 just because I was like, you, you've kind of done it all now, Stick. But then he really did it all. But the setup for his death, it just reminded me of like how repetitive some stuff is getting in Netflix shows. And one of them especially is this, this exact arc happened on Luke Cage. Luke Cage's father figure, the man who ran the barber shop, tells Luke Cage his life story and then he is murdered. And then Stick tells Luke Cage his life story 
And then he is murdered. And it's like, we get it. You've told us everything about your backstory. So now you can die. But somebody knows your backstory. And it's just like, uh, kill him or don't. And I... Also, the the entire everybody other than Sigourney Weaver and kind of Madame Gao, the the rest of the fingers of the hand were lame. I'm sorry, like White Hat, he was kind of interesting at first, but then he like he kind of is nobody. And then the dude who just speaks Japanese all the time, Murakami, I think his name was. I mean, he was interesting, but then he got his ass kicked too much. So it's like, why am I scared of you? And then you have Colleen Wing's teacher who's like, okay, you're cool, but I also don't feel as much about him because if he was set up in Iron Fist, I didn't really see it because I didn't care. And speaking of the fights, some were really good, but the last fight scene almost exclusively takes place in the dark and it's just very distracting. Like, sometimes you can see what's going on and other times you're just like, oh, this cool camera pan around to see everybody, all four defenders fighting together at once. I know it's supposed to feel like the big Avengers scene of all the Avengers fighting at once, but when it's that dark and poorly lit and you can kind of hardly make out the what every character is doing, you're just left thinking, you're more like squinting at your TV and wishing you could turn up the brightness on your HD TV and not so much thinking about whether this fight scene is cool or not or what's going on in the plot. I, I wish those fights had been better lit. And then, of course, there were... A few plot holes in it that just were like, well, wait, why why are they all not arrested? Like, they did blow up a building. And I know Foggy has some one-off thing to be like, well, the cops can't prove blah, blah, blah. So they say it didn't happen. So you couldn't have committed a crime. Didn't happen, like, blah. like, yeah, I, I'm sure the NYPD would not would just find some loophole and not arrest the four super people they saw blow up a fucking building and uh but then also was there this this goes into what i think about the marvel netflix verse after defenders now and if there's going to be defenders 2 or where do we go from here like they're filming all the seasons now they're starting to film the seasons for the next stuff like the punisher first season is coming up soon they're getting ready to film season three of daredevil they are filming season two of jessica jones right now i just hope like if they really are going to do iron fist season two like they need to get luke cage in at least at least one episode but also like give misty and colleen wing a ton of stuff to do not related to iron fist and also like really figure out what your problem was with iron fist i get hopes when they had the scene with luke cage and iron fist of luke cage basically telling iron fist how much he sucks that i think the the marvel creative team gets that they have a lot of work to do on iron fist and i hope they do that work and uh, also if punisher is going to be in defenders 2 i i kind of want nobody to like him like i want uh luke cage is already kind of mad working with daredevil seeing him crack people's skulls he luke cage should not want to work with punisher at all and i think that'll proved to be an interesting situation you know uh but also like no more hand defenders season two cannot have a hand the end like they if they're gonna have the big heavy in defenders season two it either just needs to be the kingpin or another crime boss on that kind of level otherwise like it can't be anything giant and mystical again like king but kingpin is he I have a feeling kingpin is about to reach new heights of power especially if daredevil season three follows the same arc as born again which they honestly seem to be setting up and they're dealing with the tenuous existence of matt murdoch's secret identity which should be even more 
impossible if what happened in the end of Defenders 2 falls into Daredevil Season 3. But we'll have to just wait and see. So those are all my spoilery thoughts on Defenders 2. I would love to hear your thoughts on it as well in the comments on this uh, post on lasertimepodcast.com, which is still the home of this. And of course, if you enjoy this Cape Crisis and want to support me and help me out and maybe see more Cape Crisis happen, then please consider becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. That is my main gig, and I'd like to do more comic book related stuff in between where I have the time, like I was able to do right now with this. And, uh, and also, you know, keep an eye out for me at New York Comic Con, and I will be sharing my thoughts. I will promise you an episode post-New York Comic Con all about my experiences there. I really had a lot of fun in New York Comic Con last year. I hope I get to interview some cool people this year as well and, and get to see some awesome folks and, and talk to some cool comic book people. I'd love to do all that. So keep an eye out for me there. Uh, And that's pretty much it. So I hope you enjoyed this uh, special little one-off of Cape Crisis. And until next time, Excelsior! Excelsior!